0: Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. In a world that doesn't pause, catching up isn't enough. The Financial Times keeps you one step ahead in your life and career. With breaking news, detailed analysis and a deep understanding of the global economy. Don't just keep pace. Set the pace. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com
1: slash fearless. If you want to make a change this year, check out How to Be a Better Human, a podcast from TED. I'm Chris Duffy, I'm a comedian, and each week on How to Be a Better Human, I sit down to have an honest and hopefully funny and revealing conversation with an expert who can help us to see the world in a new way. This season, we're diving into everything from how you can love better to how to create habits that stick to how to have hope in a world and at a time where that feels really challenging. You can find all those topics and so many more on episodes of How to Be a Better Human wherever you get your podcasts.
0: World of Secrets, Season 2, investigates allegations surrounding one of the most powerful religious figures of the 21st century, TB Joshua.
2: Search for World of Secrets wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Hello, I'm James Reynolds. Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service. In BBC OS Conversations, we bring people together to share their experiences, and this time, conversations on life in Yemen. With concerns around further instability in the Middle East as well as international trade, Yemen is in focus for so many around the world. It's a country that has been divided by civil war. We've brought Yemenis together to talk about their shared home, including those who were forced to leave.
3: I would love to see my families and relatives. That's my priority. I imagine Yemen before the nightmare, you know, before the war. It was a beautiful place and I wish for it to go back to. How it was before.
2: If you look up Yemen on a map, you might notice it's drawn as a single country. But the reality on the ground is very different. Yemen's eight year long civil war began in 2014. As a result, the country is split between the internationally recognized governments based in the southern port of Aden and the north of the country, including the capital Sana'a, which is controlled by the Houthis, the armed political and religious group. The Houthis say they are currently fighting for Palestinians, and so they've been attacking ships connected with Israel in the Red Sea, though uh, not every ship hit has that connection. Those attacks, meanwhile, have prompted airstrikes by the US and the UK on Houthi targets. Our ambition today, though, is to try to paint a picture of Yemen through the words of its people. Our first conversation, then, is with two residents living and working in Sana'a. Abdul Latif al weshali is a journalist who's lived in the city for 30 years. And Radia Al-Mutawakal is chair of the NGO Muatana for Human Rights, which documents human rights abuses during the conflict.
4: It looks like a normal life. The streets, the cars, the motorcycles, people are working, the markets. But if you are sick, then you will not find a proper health system. There is no good education system at all. The disaster in Sana'a is not something that you can see by your naked eye. It's normal
5: life, as Radia said. But uh, if you live here in this country, you will, of course, realize that the situation is not good at all. Most of the population here are only making $100 or $200 per month. And they have to pay for all the essentials. They have to pay for electricity, the rental. They have to pay for education, for health from that little income. So if you live here or you have uh, Yemeni friends, they will tell you that the situation is very bad. But if you walk on the street, of course, you're not going to see something that is not normal in Sana'a.
2: Abdul Latif, tell us about your own life. I know you've got two young kids.
5: Ah, yes, uh, I have two kids. And uh, what I always think about and what is the most concern for me is I don't want my kids to be here for all of their lives. I have to take them somewhat safer. I need them to have proper education. I need them to be able to get proper healthcare, but uh, living in the country uh, at the moment is not good at all. I think about the future and I'm really afraid for my kids. If it's up to me, of course I will take them out, but you know, the situation is not good. And if you migrate to another country, there are a lot of obstacles in front of you. So what I always think about is how to get proper education and proper proper healthcare for my kids. And it seems that I will not be able to do that at the moment.
2: We often report on the fact that war has affected Yemen. It's divided the country. Uh, There was a large war uh, until a truce. Have you heard the sounds of war and, and felt the effects of strikes yourself?
4: There is no peace and there is no war at the same time. So people are not living their normal lives. And while the people were waiting for good news about any kind of peace agreement, they suddenly heard the airstrikes. It was a very bad flashback of the years of uh, where Sana'u has been striked by the saudi emirat coalition. It was terrifying.
5: I heard them very well. They were close to my neighborhood. I can tell you that people here were afraid. You could see people in queues uh, waiting for petrol, waiting for uh, gas. But now the situation is better. Uh, People were afraid that there's a crisis coming to their country, but nothing happened, alhamdulillah. But I can tell you that the uh, Yemeni people are supporting these uh, operations in the Red Sea, as uh, it is a legitimate right for uh, the Yemeni people to support the Palestinian people. But they, they know how to handle such situation. You know, the, the Yemeni people uh, have been through war for nine years until the day.
2: Radia, how has the latest conflict affected your life?
4: Well, you know, uh, let's talk about all Yemenis. When Houthis controlled uh, Sana'a by force in 2014, people were very angry at Houthis. And they are still angry because they are committing horrible violations in the areas that they are controlling and they are not providing services. But when it comes to the new kind of war in the Red Sea, the narrative in the heads of Yemenis is very different because it's, as Latif said, it's related to Gaza. But a new circle of violence will not solve anything, it will not protect the Ritzi. It will just add a disaster to a country that is already known as the worst humanitarian crisis in the world. So people are afraid of having a new circle of war, but they are also very angry about what's happening in Gaza at the same time.
2: Radia, right, yeah, I notice in, in the first part of your answer, you, you made criticism of the Houthis who govern the territory in which you yourself live. Is it widespread to make criticism of the Houthis?
4: So this is the job I do. We document the violations by all parties to the conflict, including Houthis, who are committing horrible violations. It's not safe for everyone, but I am to what extent I say this um, with the power of my work.
2: Does that make your life more dangerous than other people's lives at the moment, the threats that you might face?
4: Yes, uh, we are threatened all the time. Uh, Many of our uh, colleagues in the ground has been detained by Houthis and by other parties to the conflict. There's huge campaigns against us. I was banned from traveling uh, two months ago from Sana'a in the airport. The whole life in Yemen is complicated. And I keep saying that Yemenis are safe by accident, not because they are really protected, because the whole situation is, is difficult for everyone. But our work brought us um, more danger and more protection at the same time.
2: Abdul what is a typical day in your working life? You know,
5: if there is a war, we as journalists we work. But if there is no war, we don't work. So uh, recently, the after the uh, beginning of the truth in 2022, the situation is very calm for me. I'm working only on social media, and I have stopped being working in the political uh, media. But now I'm, I'm coming back to this uh, situation or to this uh, field as, you know, the situation is getting worse. The war might come back to the country. The strikes have begun against the country. But I feel safe at the moment. But, you know, if you, if you are a Yemeni person and you travel outside the country, you find out that you are not living. You have just got used to the bad and the horrible situation in your country. People are having different life and uh, other countries. This is a very bad feeling, by the way.
4: We got used to the very difficult life, and I'm afraid that we are normalized with a very difficult uh, situation about the fact that anyone could be uh, in danger at any time. But if nothing happened to you in purpose, then it is normal life in Sana'a. Sana'a used to be the capital for 30 years, so all the infrastructure in Sana'a Everything Sana is uh, most of the Yemenis with from different governorates is in Sanaa. So, uh, whether Houthis want or not, Sanaa is different.
2: Yemen, of course, given the division between rival groups, is a very hard country for anyone to visit. But Radia, if if someone was able to visit you and wanted to see the city, where would you take them?
4: There are many good, nice places inside Sanaa and outside Sanaa. The war started in 2014, but I want to remind the whole world that before this date, we used to have a life. We used to have a, a shape of state. We, have, we used to have a shape of democracy and media. And so it's not this, that Yemenis are living in war for all their life. That's why the standards of life in the heads of Yemeni are still high. So if you come to Sana'a, you will see a life. You will be able to see old Sana'a, which is amazing. You will be able to see Yemenis who are still smiling in the streets in spite of the very bad situation. You can take them to restaurants, to open spaces. Yemen have a lot to be seen.
5: You know, uh, before the war, Sana'a had a lot of tourists. It's a tourism country. Uh, in Sana'a, you have the old city of Sana'a. Now uh, we have uh, a lot of new places, restaurants. Have you tried the Yemeni food? I don't think I've had the pleasure yet. Are you going to recommend me a dish? Uh, I will recommend you to try the mandi, the hanid, a lot of food. You, you, have, you have them there in London. I bet there we do. Yeah, of, of, of course. <laughs> so what, what is the dish you recommend? Mandi. I will send it to you through WhatsApp. Okay. I, I, I would love to. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to see you enjoying this dish. Is that the right dish for me to pick,
4: Raja? Well, It's meat. So I would recommend something else. <laughs> what would you recommend? <laughs> <laughs> there is something that called shafut. There are many shafut, but there are many amazing uh, Yemeni food. I love it for, for very much. And I'm sure that the whole world will be very amazed by the food, the Yemeni food if they have the chance to, to eat it. You will love Sana'a very much if you come, even among the world, even in this situation. You can't uh, resist loving it.
2: Radia and Abdul Latif, who live and work in Yemen's capital, Sana. Fascinating and actually extremely mouthwatering to hear their suggestions of the Yemeni cuisine that we all might like to try. Our international editor, Jeremy Bone, was saying the other week that events in Yemen show that the war in Gaza has spread across the Middle East. And just a reminder of how Yemen has an impact on the wider global crisis, the Houthis are aligned with Iran. On the other side, backing the official government in Yemen is Saudi Arabia, along with other Arab states, as well as the UK, the US, France and others. And the Red Sea matters to the world because an estimated 12% of global trade, around a trillion dollars worth, if you can get your head around that number, passes through its waters every year. As you heard from Abdulatif in our last conversation, the Houthi attacks on shipping do have support in Yemen, although uh, it's not possible to accurately assess how widespread that support may be. You may also appreciate that contacting people in Yemen can be really difficult. We found that some were scared about talking publicly to the media. And when we did get through to the country, many of our conversations naturally took place in Arabic, as with these messages we received.
0: عليكم. my name is Sama, and I live in Yemen. We are scared and worried. We feel that we can't fulfill our basic needs. When there are missile attacks, I wake up very early and I find very long queues of people trying to get gas cylinders. The children of Yemen are still in panic, and they are afraid of the noises of the missile strikes. I only hope that we have our peace, and I wish that our kind people can live in peace.
4: This
0: recent escalation is not new to us. We are pretty used to war by now. We have been in a war for eight years now. People are used to the noises of the airstrikes. Yemeni citizens feel strong and are proud. These recent strikes mean nothing, as we are used to the war so much. The most recent strikes caused us a great deal of fear and stress, because things have been relatively stable in the country, in terms of strikes and fighting. It is true these strikes are in the areas by the Red Sea, not in residential areas or on major roads. But to just hear the noise of the fighter jets and missiles frightened us, especially children and old people. All Yemenis want to live in peace without fear and stress. We are very simple and kind people and we just want to live in peace.
2: Our thanks to everyone who sent us messages. I'm James Reynolds. You're listening to BBC OS Conversations on life in Yemen from the BBC World Service.
0: In a world where change is constant, it pays to look beyond your borders. The Financial Times offers a global perspective to give you a deeper understanding of international markets and emerging trends. Broaden your horizons and widen your influence. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.
1: If you want to make a change this year, check out How to Be a Better Human, a podcast from TED. I'm Chris Duffy. I'm a comedian, and each week on How to Be a Better Human, I sit down to have an honest and hopefully funny and revealing conversation with an expert who can help us to see the world in a new way. This season, we're diving into everything from how you can love better to how to create habits that stick to how to have hope in a world and at a time where that feels really challenging. You can find all those topics and so many more on episodes of How to Be a Better Human, wherever you get your podcasts. According to independent
2: monitors, more than 160,000 people have died during the civil war in Yemen, and more than 4 million people have been forced to leave their homes. Many have left the country. We brought together 28-year-old Ahad Yassin and her younger brother Asim al-Tamimi, they now live with their family in Turkey, and Shireen al Adami. Shireen left Yemen when she was a child. She's now an assistant professor of education at Michigan State University in the US.
6: I miss my family the most. I come from a very large extended family network, and there are family members, uncles and aunts and cousins that I haven't seen in quite a long time. So Yemen is home. It's where family is, and I miss them the most. But I also just miss being around a community that, where I could fit in and belong, and uh, I don't have to stand out as a minoritized person. So that's been an experience that I don't think you really know or understand until you don't have it anymore.
2: You left when you were 12. What do you remember from the childhood years?
6: There was a bit of a transition for me because I was born in Yemen, moved to India for a few years and then came back to Yemen. So when I first came back to Yemen, I had to learn how to read and write in Arabic. I could speak it, but I didn't know how to read and write. So the transition was a little bit rocky. But once I integrated and learned the language, it was um, quite an interesting place to be. Uh, I wouldn't say it was all sunshine and roses. There were, of course, many beautiful moments, getting to know everybody and going to the beach every Friday, for example, because I'm from Adan and Adan is renowned for its beaches. It's a coastal town. But we also had a, a civil war in 94. So that disrupted a lot of that childhood innocence, if you'd like. So there are mixed emotions when I think about my childhood in Yemen.
2: I want to bring in our other guests, siblings Ahad and Asim currently in Istanbul. You spent large portions of your lives in Yemen. I'd love to hear about what you both miss. Ahad first.
3: Actually, listening to what Shirin says, my mom is also from Adan, and I have a huge uh, family and relatives, extended family in Yemen. And we miss our family the most, actually. From my side, I miss the family, I miss the community, I miss the food, and I miss the weather a lot.
7: What I really miss... uh... Yemen is the, uh, as my uh, my mates uh, have said, the community, the vibes, food, weather, everything, even my uh, friends, right now, I I, I can't uh, communicate with them. I can't call them because of the uh, political orientations.
2: For all of you looking at Yemen from afar, is it possible to go back, Shireen in Michigan, to to go and buy an airplane ticket and go back? Or is it much, much more complicated than that?
6: It's more complicated than that. So since 2015, Yemen has been embroiled in this international conflict where, I mean, what began as a civil civil conflict, of course, escalated when Saudi Arabia began bombing. And so the international airports in the north were shut down up until 2022. So if you want to go into Sana'a now, it's only been possible since... 2022. And there are very limited flights between Jordan and Sana'a. And that's about it. If you want to go to the south, that's always been possible, but you have to attain certain visas and permissions from the coalition government there. And it's not as easy to get to Sana'a and then go to Aden, or get to Aden and then go to Sana'a. So for me, I've been kind of waiting to be able to travel freely in Yemen. If I go back, I have family in Sana'a, Taiz, Aden, and Hodeidah. And without that freedom of movement, it would be a very difficult decision to just go and stay in one part of the country of course there are ways for people to travel but it comes with some risk
3: for us it's very difficult because our father is a journalist he's well-known author and journalist and uh, because of that we that was the first reason why we left the country my whole family left for safety and uh, we can't go back Uh, so for us it's a very hard situation and we just have to um, you know find another place to go until the situation is solved because for us it's very dangerous
2: i had i'm struck by something i know you've said which is that the country of yemen at the moment is relying on yemenis living abroad to send money back to keep things going is that something that your family has to do
3: Honestly, our culture is built this way. We care about each other economically because of that. Our country has never been economically prosperous, you know. So even when we were in Yemen, we would help each other economically. But now it's like the responsibility is bigger, and uh, of course we have had to help. I mean, there are girls and boys and people who live abroad, even as students, they have to live with that. We we, we know even if we decide to. Um, I mean let's say that we didn't have this situation our father was not a journalist and we were safe in that way we would still not go back because economically someone is relying on you and if you go back they probably won't have food you know what I mean
6: like i said it's part of our culture it's that responsibility that you bear as a Yemeni not because you uh anyone's forcing you but this is just what we the responsibility and the duty that we feel toward one another um, taking care of family first, and then whoever else we can, and so the remittances have been a large part of the Yemeni economy, whether it 's from Yemenis who for decades have been going to Saudi Arabia to work and send money back home or for Yemenis who have gone abroad to other countries such as you know the United States, Europe, wherever Turkey, we send money back home and I think this is one of the reasons that here in the US we lobbied very hard against the FTO designation back in 2021 and we find ourselves in that situation now because if we're not able to send money to our families back home because of the terror designation because if banks, for example, stop operating in those parts of the country, then uh, we know that people who are relying on us are going to be in a very dire situation.
2: And this, of course, is the designation that the US government has made, uh, redesignating the Houthis armed forces as a terrorist group, as you said, a a designation which would impact uh, the access to banking in in the area controlled by the Houthis. And as you're all in... A long way away from Yemen at the moment. You, your thoughts, of course, must turn to your home country every day. And Shireen in, in Michigan, if if you were able to spend a single day for some extraordinary <laughs> reason in in Yemen, talk us through what you would do that day.
6: I would visit everybody I know, uh, my childhood home, friends and family. Go from. You know, all of the major cities where we have family members. And also, I'd love to visit my village. I never actually got a chance to visit. My last name is Adimi. I come from a village called Adim. So I'd love to go and visit.
2: What's there at the moment? Do you know?
6: I just got some pictures of some beautiful buildings and waterfalls in that area. And so um, it seems to be thriving. I mean, Yemenis find a way to survive in the middle of all of this.
2: And Asim, and and I had siblings in Istanbul. If somehow you could get back home safely for a day and then safely leave again what would that day be like what would you do
3: first thing i mean i haven't seen my country for 11 years now it's a long time i think uh, first thing i would love to see my grandmother i lost both of my grandfather and my other grandmother i didn't have a chance to see them or visit them i would love to see my families and relatives that's my priority I imagine Yemen before the nightmare, you know, before the war. It was a beautiful place, and I wish for it to go back to how it was before.
7: Yeah, for me, if I were in Yemen uh, these days, uh, I would surely go and visit my uh, relatives, uh, my old friends, my uh, childhood friends. I really miss them. I I got some pictures from my uh, village, from my dad. But I I just, I just really wanted to visit.
3: And watching all these beautiful sites in Yemen on Instagram and social media, I just, I wish I can go, you know, I wanna wanna go to Sukhothra, I want to go to visit other cities. It's just I can't go back to my country, which is very
7: sad. Like, why not us? We, We really want to visit those places, but we can't in the end, unfortunately.
2: Asim and his sister Ahadz, both now in Turkey, and they were joined in conversation with Shireen in the United States. We're really grateful to all of them and to all of our guests, and I'm sure you will wish them safety and family reunion. I'm James Reynolds. You've been listening to The Documentary from the BBC World Service.
0: In a digital world that demands your attention, it can be challenging to build your own worldview. The Financial Times brings you rigorous and independent global journalism, so you can see more angles and find time to think for yourself. Don't jump to conclusions. Read to them instead. Fearlessly Pink. Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.
1: If you want to make a change this year, check out How to Be a Better Human, a podcast from TED. I'm Chris Duffy. I'm a comedian, and each week on How to Be a Better Human, I sit down to have an honest and hopefully funny and revealing conversation with an expert who can help us to see the world in a new way. This season, we're diving into everything from how you can love better to how to create habits that stick, to how to have hope in a world and at a time where that feels really challenging. You can find all those topics and so many more on episodes of How to Be a Better Human, wherever you get your podcasts.